Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Are you started? Yeah, we're 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 started. What's up, guys? Okay, we're gonna <laughs> count me down for that. Three, two, one, go. Oh my gosh! And you're like, what are we talking about? I'm trying to list some stuff, and then you boom. said we're just gonna wing it and start it, and uh, then I hit record, and you're like talking Patreon, and then here we are. Well, excuse moi. I'm Nicole. I'm Ben. You're listening to Wicked and Graham. A true crime podcast. <laughs> What's up, guys? How's it going? It's it's going. It's going pretty good. Uh, so we, good. We are, we're clearly going to be talking Patreons, mm-hmm. patrons today. And mimosas. I was also going to talk about that. Hell to <laughs> Grab your the, mimosas. Yeah. Um, where did we leave off for the patrons? Uh, at Christine Scott. Christine Scott was our last one that Boom. we thanked. Christine yep. Scott, you're getting thanked again. And thank you're you very awesome. much for being an amazing Patreon. And of course, we've got Echo, Yamalee's Frets. I really hope I said your name right. I'm sorry if I didn't. And Jessica Bird, they all signed up for Patreon this week. Boom. So you guys are amazing. Thank you very much. Um, For everyone over on Patreon, you guys uh, really help us keep this going. So thank you so much. Yeah, we literally think you guys are all freaking awesome. Legit. That's why they got exclusive merch, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So. And they'll get more of that. Yeah, they will. You actually have some socks you wanted to do a giveaway. Well, no, I have some Jacko stuff actually that I want to give away and I just haven't done that yet. You probably should. But I will. I'll get on that. Do it. You know, with my oodles of free time, I'll get right on that. Oodles and noodles. Yes. Oh, speaking of the merch and giveaway and stuff, I was thinking we should come out with a new design for Wicked and Grim soon. Another one? Another one. Mm-mm. Well, I think every once in a while you know, come up with a new design or two, you know, sure. the way we go. Well, you enjoy doing it, so I do. that makes sense. I like doing the artsy stuff, so why not? So what we want you guys to do, head over to our Instagram or our Facebook or email or wherever you want to get a hold of us and tell us what you would like to see for merch. Maybe we'll even do a post so you guys can comment and let us know. So, so yeah, yeah tell us yeah. what you want to see. I know some people want to see uh, a few particular things like you nasty. Oh yeah, you nasty. <laughs> That's a good one. I actually want to see that too. Well, maybe we'll have to do that in this round, but we'll see what everyone says. So. I'm so just distracted by the smell of farts. Well. Because I'm right by the dogs and they're disgusting They're tonight. nasty and. So this is going to be fun for I me. I can't put all the blame on them. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I might have broke wind once or twice. Oh my gosh. This tiny home living thing. You know, I'm just living the life. There's not much ventilation. No. It's, um, you're trapped. And it's quite funny. So part, we're on part two. Part two. Part two. 
And um, I ended in kind of a shitty spot for y'all last time. And I got some flack, but. It was epic. But to my defense, is that not like how every TV drama ends? Pretty much. Making you want more? Yeah. So I'm just trying to be cool. So like, don't be all at me. It was well played. I think it was, it was very amazing. well played. Yeah. Good job. I deserve a pat on the back, not like flack. I'll, I'd patch you, but you're on the other end of the table and behind a microphone. <laughs> no, but actually I thought I'd get more flack than I did. So thank you. It was fun. Yeah. They it's got you fun. back. They got you back. They do. They do. Okay. So yeah. We're, are we ready to start part two? We're just diving right in. Oh my goodness. Well, yeah, well I think before we do, are, we got mimosas in hand. Let's get a clinkety like clank. wondering what's going on here. Boom. Let's do this. Because I still think that this is just not a widely out there case, which is so wild because it's not a widely out there case. It's nuts. <laughs> Not that is not more known and just mm. out there everywhere. Okay, can, can you give us a quick wrap up, like a, a 10 second elevator pitch on what last episode entailed? Yes, I'm going to do that. Oh, okay, cool. Beans. Okay, so we were talking about Dennis Nilsson. Um, and so he had just basically had turned his fantasy into a reality. He had just murdered 14 year old Stephen Holmes. Um, his fantasy being basically like necrophilia i guess yes is what what, what you would call it but i just hate saying that it's <laughs> but it's that's a gross it. word for a very gross definition and up to that point of steven he really was like using his own body to to satisfy those fantasies which is okay we it, were okay with that and then uh it just crossed a line yeah so. i mean personally i'm not okay with him i'm not okay with the things he was doing because it's just weird for me personally. It makes it, you uncomfortable? I mean, it, it doesn't make me uncomfortable. It would make me uncomfortable if I were doing it. <laughs> it's not for me. Okay, if, but I'm not going to pass judgment on someone doing it. Well, you know no, what I mean? teach their own. But exactly. Man, if I came home and you had your body covered in... Uh, Talcum powder, baby powder. Baby powder with blue lips. I might have a couple questions. Looking at myself sexually and in a touching myself sensually off. in a mirror. I might have a couple questions. I'm not yeah. going to lie. Like, but again. They, see, would, they would be coming out. Yeah. To each their own. But yeah, at that point, he was not doing any harm. But he crossed a fucking line and now he's doing harm. And yes. now we get to hear, hear about this mofo. And now it's not fucking okay. Okay. So where the heck was it? Oh, yes. And he had left... Oh, yeah, I'm right here. Okay. He had left <laughs> you got it. Um, Stephen Holmes. He had left him under his floorboards. Was right? it like 30 days or something? No, dude, it was way more, which he would remain under those floorboards until August 11, 1979, which was basically like eight, eight months, months. That's what it was. Later. Okay, yeah. yeah. Like, That's right. whoa. Yeah, I remember my mind being fucking blown because I thought it was something like a week or up to 30 days or something. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, eight months. That's that's. Uh, oh yeah like it's this is a nasty story like yeah honestly if you guys are having a snack right now maybe just finish that and if it's beef jerky just put oh it down. Put it down. man okay here we go okay so here are some of dennis's words in response to his first victim okay i eased him into his new bed beneath the floorboards a week later i wondered whether his body had changed at all or had started to decompose i disinterred him and pulled the dirt-stained youth up onto the floor. His skin was very dirty. I stripped myself naked and carried him into the bathroom and washed the body. There was particularly no discoloration, and his skin was pale white. His limbs were more relaxed than when I had put him down there. Oh, wow. Yeah, like the stripped naked part is just kind of like, okay. 
Okay. He. Oh, okay. I mean, th- uh, this. I'm trying to find a silver lining here. At There's l- no silver lining. At least he was being careful with his remains is the only thing I can think of. But oh, no. it's not in a kind way. It's in a very disturbing a way. Disturbing. So on August 11th, Dennis would dispose of Stephen's body in a bonfire in the garden he had previously negotiated with the landlords to be exclusively his. I'm not entirely sure why it took Dennis this long to dispose of Stephen's body, but it did. Which brings us to his next victim, Andrew Ho. And this next victim wouldn't be until October of 1979. So Stephen was murdered on December 30th, 1978. So it was quite some time, really, before he would strike again. And some light with this victim, with Andrew, he would survive. Oh, really? So on October 11th, 1979, Dennis would meet Andrew, a local student from Hong Kong, meeting him. Is our dog just like growling? I think me? she's either snoring or she's upset and like growling at something or someone. But I just hear it constantly. I know. Me too. It's kind of distracting because I'm like, what is going on back there? Do, do you want to pause it and take care of her? Sure. Okay. She, she's a princess peach. She needs our attention. One sec. Holy shit. <laughs> okay. So she's she's just snoring away she's over there. She's out cold. I was like, thought something was upsetting her. But holy gosh. Okay. <laughs> So distracting here with these animals. Sorry, guys. And if you hear some snoring in the background, we're, it's just Mika. She's well, just chilling. She's getting old. There's And there's nowhere for them to go in here. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we had left off Andrew, um, just a it. local student from Hong Kong. Um, and Dennis was meeting him or not, or he met him at a St. Martin's Lane pub. He would lure Andrew back to his flat with the promise of sex. Like, don't go. Yeah. Now, Dennis would attempt to strangle Andrew, but somehow he managed to escape and get out of Dennis's home. He, We could say that Andrew was the badass of the day, being that he actually was able to escape this mofo. Mm-hmm. But he's a bit of a disappointment afterwards. Because he doesn't do anything about it, does he? When he does, does he? report the incident to police, oh, good. causing Dennis to be questioned, but in the end decides not to press charges. Fuck. I'm like, no, buddy. But then remember that time, I don't know, you had to be careful, right? Because yeah. being gay was illegal and stuff, right? So That's true, yeah. But I'm like, oh my gosh, if he had pressed charges and stuff, like this could have maybe saved people. But hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Well, I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, well, all right. <laughs> Clearly. It could have saved people. It could have. And it would have been awesome if he did continue those charges. But like you said, he's putting himself in danger. If he were to press I charges, know. now he's going to be publicly gay. And sometimes you have to think about yourself, I suppose. I yeah. get it. And I get it. For example, maybe he, it wasn't going to be um, that he's going to be reprimanded legally uh, for being homosexual or anything like that. But maybe it's just strictly his parents would find out. His yeah. family would find out. And he didn't want that and to happen. And he was keeping it a secret, right? Or something. So and it, it's such a shame that people have to hide themselves like that or had to. Not that they still don't, but more so um, that, Yeah, back I don't then. think that they necessarily have to do anymore. But I mean, I understand it's probably still hard and yes. difficult. So. Well, I mean, there are personal circumstances where people do still have to hide there themselves. Are. But yeah. And it's sad. And I'm sure it would have been... At least something like that on his mind. Mm-hmm. So, yes, Ben, I get it. What? Well, I was just like, this guy, what a piece of shit. He needs to come forward. But <laughs> well, no, I get it. I get it. It would have been nice, but I'm sure there's a reason, you know? And who knows how long it would have even put Dennis in jail if it did or whatever, right? So, yeah. that it might not have even 
done anything, right? And I mean, it could have been just his word against his, right? Like, yeah. who's to say? Probably, nothing could have even potentially have even happened of it. And Dennis might have been a more like reputable person too. And yeah. yeah, so who knows? Okay, so two months later, Dennis was at it again. December 3rd, 1979 was the date, and the next victim would not be so lucky. This time, it would be 23-year-old Canadian student Uh who was on a tour of England visiting relatives. His name was Kenneth Okenden. I think that's how you say his last name. Okenden? Okenden, something like that. That's a badass name. You like it? I do, especially because I was just watching the Hobbit movie today. With Thorin Oakenshield. Oh, Oakenden? I don't know. His name's Kenneth. It's it's a badass name. <laughs> I like it. Uh, so Dennis encountered Kenneth once again at a local pub. We hear where he learned Kenneth was a tourist and offered to show him around London. They would spend the afternoon together, sightseeing and drinking, when it started to get dark. And Dennis invited Kenneth back to his house for drinks and dinner. But it would not last long. Dennis was not able to recall the exact moment he strangled Kenneth, but as Kenneth was listening to music and wearing headphones, Dennis took the headphone cord, dragging Kenneth across the floor with the cord wrapped around his neck, and he strangled him. Fuck. Like, that's, I think, a terrible time to just, like, you're into your music, like, yeah, and then, ugh. He then poured himself a drink, and continued li- listening to the music on the headphones. Fuck. As he did with Stephen, Dennis then bathed Kenneth before placing him in his bed to sleep beside him for the night. That was some Silence of the Lambs shit right there. Holy fuck. What do you mean? So, really? I don't think I've watched that. Don't. <laughs> oh my God. We are watching Silence of the Lambs this weekend. What the fuck? I have other shit on my list to watch. How have you never seen Sal? How am I married to you? I don't know. Ask yourself that. I'm pretty awesome, though. I mean, you are, but you've never seen Silence of the Lambs? I don't think so. Wow. We've got to change that. Okay. Why? Does someone get strangled in there with headphone cord? Well, no, but there's Buffalo Bill, the main serial killer in it. He's very much so a creeper. He, He goes for women with soft, supple skin sort of thing, because he wants to basically make a skin suit because he wants to be a woman. But he's a man, right? And it's kind of That's not a lotion thing in the well, is it? Yes. It puts a lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. Okay, well, I've heard that. Well, yeah, that's that's from this. Look at me. So, and he's got like, (laughs) in his house, he's got like a music thing that he does and he's dancing and stuff. So just like the whole creepy vibe with like the music and the- Oh, okay. Being sensual with like the dead is just- fucking well, yeah, gave me the same like, sort of chills he premeditated that in a way because i don't think that kenneth was listening to the records um with headphones prior to but then dennis was like here put these on this is like my favorite record like really listen <clears throat> and then like boom done yeah the following day dennis would buy a polaroid camera to capture the beauty of kenneth's perfect and beautiful body he laid his corpse in suggestive poses to capture on film before finally laying beside him as he watched TV for several hours. Wow. Kenneth would be stored under the floorboards, as Stephen was, but on many occasions, Stephen would actually go about disturbing Kenneth's corpse. He would move his body around his home to bath him, watch television with, and have conversations with as though he was still there and listening. 
That's that's a visual, eh? That's really disturbing. Like it's super disturbing. But as Kenneth's body would begin to show signs of rot, he would be retired to beneath the floorboards, and Dennis would once again have to face his inevitable loneliness. That is until Martin Duffy would enter his life. Dun, dun, dun. Martin Duffy, Duffy was a 16-year-old gay teenager from Birkenhead, England. He keeps preying on like the young. Oh, yeah. He likes them real young. Yeah. Like which, real young. Which is e- and even more of a shame, not necessarily strictly because of their age, but because that they're a lot more susceptible to like these older men who are kind of in the 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 gay world atmosphere, whatever, who kind of know like the way around the bars and stuff where these new kids are basically just trying to learn and explore themselves. Right. Well, yeah. And Martin's a runaway. So he did, he was attracted to like homeless people, runaways and like sex workers. Mm. So he would kind of target people that may not be noticed that they're missing. Yeah. Typical. Yeah. Okay. So, Yep, like I said, Martin had run away from home and hitchhiked the four-hour distance to London. Dennis would cross paths with him on May 17, 1980 at the train station. Martin had been away from home for four days at this point and was both exhausted and hungry. Dennis offered him a hot meal and bed for the evening, which Martin gratefully accepted. And like, I have trouble when people are too nice. Like, I, I think that would almost make me, like, run. But Martin was also, like, almost survival point at that. Like, he needed, he had needs, right? Yeah, exactly. So he almost probably had to accept that offer, which I mean, is how real you, shitty. In a situation like that, how could you not accept it, honestly? I know, but you shouldn't because people are evil. People are fucking evil. They're evil. Okay, so one's back. There, there is good out there. Oh, Don't get me wrong. There are There are good. Okay, I think there's more good than evil. I'm going to say that. Because, like, majority of people aren't going to murder you in your house in when you're in their house. Well. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> yeah, I would hope. Theoretically speaking, though, it's got to be, like, a perfect balance. Theoretically. Because I if guess. You, if you look at it in the in not necessarily, like, a, a biblical term of, like, heaven-hell type evil, I'm, I'm saying in, like, a, a nature-versus-nurture type of evil. So I'm going I'm to put it in this way. Because this is one way that I really understand it. And it's a really good analogy um, for hunting, for example. Around here, the moose population, it goes up and down. So the moose, you know, they have offspring and the population increases. And with the population of increase, and we're going to use moose as the good, as their population increases, so does the population of wolves. The wolves. And we're going to use them as the bad. So as the moose population grows, the wolf population now grows because there's a larger food source. Mm-hmm. So now as the wolves are picking off the moose, now their population starts to decrease. And now the wolves are losing their food source and they start to starve to death. So their population decreases. And now as their population decreases, the moose goes up. So it's this constant up and down, yeah. up and down. And I would like to think it's a very similar thing with good deeds and bad deeds. If a person sees bad deeds around them lots, maybe it'll instill them to do some good and vice versa. Who knows? I don't know. I just think Dennis is bad. <laughs> it's a yin and yang is what I know. I'm saying. I get what you're saying. I totally get what you're saying. But I also think that humankind has more good than bad is my opinion. I would hope. 
that not every not half the people are around running around murdering people and stuff, right? Well, I guess it depends on what you where Define you draw the good line. And bad. Is, yeah, it depends yeah. on where you draw that line. Because I mean, throwing a paper napkin on the sidewalk is that bad? Yes, exactly. <laughs> but maybe not some people that would be bad. But I'm like, don't litter. Okay, so once back at Dennis's place, Martin would eat dinner, have a couple drinks with Dennis, but then begin to nod off and want to head to bed. Falling asleep in Dennis's bed, the team the teen would not know what hit him. When Dennis would, like the others, begin to strangle him as he sat on his chest and tighten the twine around his neck until he was unconscious. Finishing the job, he dragged Martin's body into the kitchen where he drowned him in the sink. Fuck. That's just such an intense way to just finish it because couldn't you just finish it by strangling them too or he's just ensuring they're dead, I guess. I think. I think it's his fail safe. You see bubbles coming up. You can't see necessarily. Yeah, because there, there'd be like some instances where he'd hold them under there for like five minutes, right? Yeah. Like just so making sure. Just making sure. He would bath Martin's body, which he noted as being the youngest looking body he'd ever seen. Along with bathing his body, he would also groom his victims. Being so young, I don't know if Martin in particular would need this, but Dennis wanted his props as he would call them, to have smooth shaved torso to conform to his physical idea ideal. Fuck. <laughs> you look so disgusted. I am. That just that note of this is the youngest body he's seen. Ugh. That was just nasty. Yeah, but he's that he he already had murdered a 14-year-old and this guy's 16. Oh, I know, but just that that it's premise gross. is gross. It's that gross. He's seeking the young, young. looking. Is, yeah, he likes that. Oh. He would also go about applying makeup to any obvious blemish on the skin, and the body would usually get dressed in socks and underwear. Once Martin's body was ready, he'd move him around his home with him, sitting him at the kitchen table as he made dinner and ate dinner, placing him in his bed, the very bed he was strangled in, where Dennis would then repeatedly kiss, compliment, and caress his dead body. Wow. He would also masturbate while sitting on Martin's stomach. I should mention this. I don't know if anyone's wondering this, but along with masturbating, Dennis would also participate in intercranial sex, I think is how you say inter. I don't know. I was like, what the fuck is that? I had to look it up, which is victims. They would basically have like sex with their thigh. Huh. So I, I just can't believe some of the shit that I have to research and, and say on here. But that, That's interesting. Okay. He would insist that he never actually penetrated his victims, apparently freeing their beautiful bodies from the pathetic ritual of commonplace sex. Interesting. Because I, I just assumed that like penetration was occurring. No. No, he, he, he like was adamant that it was not. That he would do masturbation this thigh sex thing and there were some reports but not all of them say like world as well i mean he's still defiling them oh oh god yeah like a hundred percent yes yeah but then i think he was also like he didn't want to i don't know i'm gonna go there he's still defiling them he, yeah. he's thinking he's keeping them pure he's not yeah and i think he was thinking that they'd last longer with these means than the other means wow Anyway, 
fuck. Once the this body... is a case and a fucking half. Holy, it's I feel so bad for these victims. Oh my gosh, like it's it's actually because it's like one thing to just know that that your victim was murdered, which is horrific. But then to just like also this one step further of how they were treated after they were murdered and they were just like prancing around this dude's like apartment and stuff is just like devastating. Yeah, because they, they've been murdered and it's not over yet. Yeah. They still have to go through more. Oh, like it's disturbing. It's just really disturbing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, once the body started showing signs of bloat, it went under the floorboards straight away. And at this point, though... Dennis was hooked. He's a full-blown serial killer. Of course he was, yeah. He would begin to kill in greater frequency. That year alone, killing five more victims and attempting one other. With only one of those murdered victims ever being able to be identified, and that was 26-year-old William Billy Sutherland. Billy was originally from Scotland, where he had a girlfriend and a child, but as he was looking for work in London, he found it to be more difficult than expected and turned to sex work. Finding that older men, like Dennis, were especially eager to pay for a night with a handsome Scottish man. And that's just how his story would end. He crossed paths with Dennis on August 20th. And in the unfortunate story of Billy actually pursuing Dennis, he would find himself back at Dennis's house being strangled as the rest of Dennis's victims had. Shit. Dennis's main victim profile was men he believed wouldn't be missed, like report missing. Yeah, kind of, of already course. talked about this. All of his victims were found at local pubs or on the street. Often young runaways like Martin, homeless men, or male sex workers. These people were also relatively easy to get back to his house with the offer of food, alcohol, or a place to stay. Dennis is a piece of shit. Oh, Just yeah. Just throwing that out there. He's if super, we haven't said it yet, he's a piece of shit. Super shit. Like super, super. <laughs> super shit. He's got a big S on his chest drawn in shit. Yeah. Just super shit. Super shit. Okay, and I don't like this na- nickname, but I felt like I should mention it in here. Ugh. Because some people probably have heard that Dennis can be referred to as the kindly killer. I don't know if you've heard this. No. In that he often he's he often offers to help those in need with food or a place to stay, showing kindness, though with the intention to kill. So it's false kindness, though. Yeah, like kindly yeah. killer. Yeah, it's it's a way of luring them in with kindness and then turning it. Yeah. Yeah. So I just like hate, I just hate that nickname, actually. I don't love it at all. Well, I mean, he, he's not kind. That That's, it's an ironic nickname. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I have no quarrels with that nickname, personally, because it's, it's an ironic name. It is ironic. Yeah. But I'm just like, eh. Okay. So some reports I read, though, would say he didn't intend to kill. Oh, fuck that. And was adamant that the decision was not made until moments before it actually happened. Fuck that. But being that he would often go out looking yeah. for victims, in my personal opinion, I consider that premeditation. And just like the, the number alone that he's done. Yeah. Right? Like, I just, yeah, no. Like, you're lying, dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, for sure, bud. For sure. For sure. Because bodies of some of the victims could never be identified... We're going by what Dennis had decided to share or remembers from many of these incidents. And there's many victims he remembers very little about. But come the end of 1980, 
The bodies were beginning to accumulate under Dennis's floorboards, which were attracting insects and creating some foul odors. Oh, I can imagine. I was I was curious. I'm like, how much floor space does this guy fucking mm-hmm. have? Like, I honestly couldn't imagine the smells that would be coming from there. Like, it's just repulsive. Oh, yeah. He would place deodorants underneath the floorboards with the bodies and sp- spray um what would he spray insecticide sorry twice a day but obviously it didn't get rid of the odor completely or the presence of bugs like his place was just like infested with like flies too i can imagine yeah and i mean that that's not solving the problem that's a temporary thing for a couple hours yeah like that's why he he would do it like numerous times a day that's ridiculous yeah like just disgusting which is also like another reason why i don't even understand how he got other victims, but then they were lots of times drunk and mm-hmm. stuff. But when you walk in there and just be like, holy shit, I got to get out of here. Well, I mean, runaways and stuff, right? Who've been living on the street potentially. Oh, I guess. I guess. Gosh, that breaks my heart. It does. Okay. So Dennis would start dissecting and removing Fuck. the bodies of all his victims since December of 1979. A total of six victims okay wait hold on he would like the the people already under the floorboards yeah okay i understand okay um yeah it was kind of like mixed reports i think it sometimes he would like dissect them of their organs and stuff right away but i don't know if he did that initially so um as far as i could tell all of his kills since his first kill of steven and unlike steven's body which he had left intact when he burned it yeah the others he did start to dissect their remains so i don't, and some i know he didn't do right away so he was like doing them when he was about to burn them gotcha so, and i'm assuming this is a way to be more discreet like he had six bodies right so mm-hmm. he's like having to bring them out to this fire like that's a lot of things like i don't think you could just bring six bodies out no, when you I, live in public yeah, right I, I don't think so <laughs> i would assume so Okay, but himself recalled how absolutely vile the process of this was. He'd have a drink of whiskey to get his courage up and grab handfuls of salt to brush aside maggots from the remains. Yeah, sounds about right. Often vomiting, vomiting as he dissected the bodies, but then also masturbating as he sat alongside the corpses or corpse as a symbolic gesture of saying goodbye to his victims. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. I said it. Okay. Oh my Hold gosh. The how, unco- how uncomfortable. How uncomfortable. How the fuck? Okay. What? Yeah. Yeah, it was like his way of saying goodbye. He would masturbate one more time after he dissected like their organs out of their bodies. So he's literally having to drink whiskey and hold back vomit from what he's doing. Oh, and vomiting. He's not always holding it back. He's puking. And he's like, I'll just rub one more out here. Yep. What? Yep. That happened. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> the look on your face. I am just baffled by that. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because... I'm I'm the type of person where I, I need to understand things. A why is a big thing when I'm discussing things or trying he, to like, understand. He'd also probably okay, like he did it after he had cleaned them up, in his opinion, right? So But it's still such a paradox. I know. I don't know if you can get in the head of some of these people, dude. I don't think I, I yeah, I don't wow, okay. <laughs> Because anything he's doing doesn't really like make sense to me. Well, no, it doesn't make he, sense to me either. But I can even the understand fact that he could keep them in the floor for that long. Oh, I, I agree. But I'm just saying, from I can understand that someone thinks that way. Not that I agree or understand it, but mm-hmm. I can, from things we discuss, I can understand that a person could, not that they would, but could potentially think that. I don't understand how repulsion equals uh, ecstasy i guess those are well, very contradictory in my mind it was he was thinking it was like a symbolic thing and i think who knows how much time had passed after he'd done the dissection right maybe he like did the dissection took a little nap had a snack <laughs> and then did it <laughs> Like, I don't know. No one really knows. <laughs> right? Only he knows. Jesus. Oh, my God. But that is so fucked up. I feel so bad for those victims. Holy oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Like, I just honestly just, I, I feel like bad for the family members, too. Took a little nap and had a snack. <laughs> I don't know. That would be what I would need to regroup myself, right? To change my attitude. <laughs> a nap and a snack. <laughs> okay we know where nicole's head's at food and sleep she's good from anything (laughs) well you need a drink right yeah i would need a lot more than a drink to be in that (laughs) position and feel better okay anyway let's move on here can we move on yes we can move on please let's do (laughs) okay to disguise the smell of burning flesh as he burned the remains dennis placed a tire on the pile because then people would be smelling burning, burning rubber, rubber, right? And once everything was done burning, he would use a rake to search for recognizable bones. At one point, finding an intact skull, which he smashed to pieces with his rake. Wow. And then he would just like rake the garden. Like yeah. this is his garden, right? Ugh. I wasn't going to say anything about this, but I'm just throwing it in there. Say I just it. feel Let's like I need to. I actually came across an article where that this house has now actually like been sold and like a young couple lives in there and stuff. And it's like been completely remodeled and redone and like looked beautiful. But then like the garden, they're like growing vegetables in and stuff. And I don't know. It just like I don't know if I could get past that. But they had totally gotten past it and just felt that it was perfect. And they got like the house at a good price and everything. Right. I don't but, know if I could morally grow vegetables in there. Flowers or something, plants, 
Maybe yeah, but like something you're eating, eh? Yeah. Because maybe- I'm sorry, like the investigators, I'm sure, like went like with through a comb through that garden, right? Oh, they're gonna pull out bones, but they're not gonna be able to pull but out there's minerals other in things the soil. Yeah, that they would have missed or something. Well, just the like the ash. They can't pull out ash from dirt. That right. ash is yeah. the minerals and materials from your body now leaching into the soil. Yeah, which is now leaching into the vegetables. Even if. Okay, maybe grow pumpkins for Halloween or something. I get that, but don't consume it. You're consumable. Yeah, I know. I, I was just like, that is beyond interesting that someone could just like get past that. I'd be curious if like the uh, many of our listeners could just get past that and just like grow their veggies in yeah. there. I'm it'd curious. Be some, it'd be some rich soil though because of the minerals from the decomposition oh, gosh, and everything. I guess. Okay, where was I here? Um... Okay, the disgusting aftermath of his disposing his kills, you think many may have him thinking that this this is not, like, worth the efforts. Like, after he's now gone through this process of, like, getting rid and disposing, like, this, yeah, this has to be it. Like, he has to be fucking done. But no. But no. No, he would strike again. Of course. He would strike four more times, actually, while living at Melrose Ave at this one location. One victim being in January, one being in February, one being in April, and his final victim being on September 18th, this final victim at Melrose Ave, I should say, being Malcolm Barlow. And if you've lost count, this would be his 12th victim. Jeez. So in reference to some of these, okay, because I didn't really, I'm not going into much detail because lots of those in there were unidentified. So in reference to some of these unidentified victims, Dennis would late, like this is sad. Dennis would later reflect by saying, end of the day, end of the drink, end of a person, floorboards back, carpet replaced, and back to work at Delmark Street. What? Yeah, that's what he, like, wrote in his book. Wow. Like, wow, what an asshole. Way to disassociate and just make these people literally nothing to you. And I think it's, like, crazy that he was able to just, like, continue work during this killing spree. Like, talk about a double life. He occasionally would call in sick if he needed to, like, deal with one of the bodies. But it did not seem like it crossed over much. Which I just cannot comprehend how you could just have that terrible of like a life and then just go to work. Yeah. How he could be okay with that. Yeah. Because there's – I don't know if this is a strictly male thing or if females get this or if any other genders get this as well. But this is something that I have discussed and know is very real within the male community. Um, It's called post-nut syndrome. Okay? Okay. It's – Oh, my gosh. Where are we going with this? After – um, relieving oneself. Oh, wow. Uh, you kind of come back and snap back to yourself and you're just like, wow, did I really just, um, have intercourse with this person, say, for example, like an ex, like you, all of a sudden you regret going back to that ex, like, fuck, like as soon as you're done sex. Oh my word. Or maybe it's really weird porn that you just rub one out to. I don't know, but- <laughs> As soon as you are done, you're just regretting your choices. I'm surprised he's not getting that post-nut syndrome. Hmm. I'm just trying to think if if he, I mean, we'll go into like his thoughts, but after it's done, like it's, is almost when I think he's like really into it. Right. 
like the the death and then he now has this companion like a lot of it's just like his companion so he's i don't know it's just a whole thing for him and then once they rot like he needs another companion yeah does that make sense right yeah but i i what i what i mean by like the post nut thing is he's not regretting taking the life no i don't think he is like because he he's clearly he apparently as you said only thought about killing them moments before yeah, which so I don't I don't agree. In the that. heat of, which is very much so like when you're drunk and horny and you call your ex sort yeah. of situation. Yeah. So it's in the heat of you're doing the action. And then you call the ex, or in his case, kill a fucking human being, and then you get off on it. And then after you get off, he's not like, fuck, I just killed a person. I think he might have been like that initially. Some reports it did seem like maybe he was like that initially. Like, holy shit, what did I do? Like, because the first kill, there was quite a break before he did again. Mm -hmm. But then he just like, I think the benefits of him doing it outweighed everything. Gotcha. So... Okay, so we are going to talk a little bit about Malcolm. Us, 23-year-old Malcolm. The victim had a different story in that Dennis would actually call the ambulance for Malcolm after he discovered him slumped against a wall outside his home on September 17, 1981. So, sorry, Dennis would call an ambulance for Malcolm? Yeah. Okay. And he thought he was just like a fucking superhero for doing this shit. Of course. Malcolm had told Dennis the medication he was prescribed for his epilepsy had caused his legs to weaken. So Dennis brought him inside and called help for him. But when Malcolm was released from the hospital the following day, he returned to Dennis's flat to thank him for uh, his kindness. Yeah, there's the mistake right fucking there. Dennis invited him in where he fed him a meal and drinks until Malcolm fell asleep on Dennis's couch at the end of the night. Dennis was not expecting this. So this one I don't think like was premeditated, but felt he needed to be rid of Malcolm. And just like that, he made the decision to strangle him, storing his body beneath the kitchen sink for the morning. Felt like he needed to be rid of him? Yeah, like he had a pest. Fuck. So this like is... Like this dude, like he came back to him, right? Like, don't come back here. I guess, yeah. Um. Now, this is the point where Dennis would have to prepare to leave Melrose Ave. Some report, reports say Dennis was issued an eviction notice as neighbors were starting to complain of the smell coming from his suite other reports say the landlord was wanting to do renovations and asked dennis to leave but both of them really could go hand in hand there really in my opinion is no way the neighbors could not smell that situation going on in his suite and i honestly think it's surprising that even like lasted that long there no kidding really like he had neighbors and stuff like what the freak i feel like you'd have to be like a hermit for able to be doing this kind well, of thing uh I mean, people are oblivious generally and will put up with a lot of shit, I think. But well, that's but yeah, really that's, oblivious. That's extreme. I don't know. I feel like I'm observant and I would know instantly. <laughs> of course. Of course you would. <laughs> okay. Either way, here I'm like have been someone's neighbor that's like was a murderer or something. Right. right? And they're listening uh, right now and laughing. Oh, no. Okay. Either way, he would dispose of the bodies as he did previously and move into an addict flat at 23D Cranley Gardens on October 5th, 1981. Being that Dennis's new home was an attic flat with no access to a garden, one would only hope his killing spree would come to an end. And it did. 
for about five months. Until? till March 1982, when Dennis would meet 23-year-old John Howlett while drinking in a nearby pub. John was lured to Dennis's new suite on the promise of a continuing good time and more booze. And that's what happened. They continued to drink and watch a movie. This is, Je- this is when John walked into Dennis's front room where his bed was located and fell asleep. One hour later, Dennis attempted to wake John, but was unsuccessful. And he sat on the edge of the bed watching him. He decided he would kill him. Jeez. Could you imagine just like sleeping and someone's on the edge of your bed deciding they're going to kill you? Ugh. Ugh. Nightmares. It was quite a struggle. John did not match Dennis's victim profile in that he was taller, more rugged, and masculine, not the type Dennis would normally go for. Within the struggle, there were times John was even strangling Dennis. But in the end, though he described the struggle as stressful, where he believed he could get he was like going to get overpowered by John, he was able to get him into an unconscious state and ultimately drowned him in the bathtub. Fuck. Dennis would be left with defensive wounds from the struggle for the next week. So he was close. This case is fucking stressing me the fuck it's out. Stressful. Holy shit. He controlled himself for a couple months until May hit when he encountered Carl Stoder, I think, a 21-year-old gay man as he drank at the Black Cat pub. As Dennis and Carl chatted, Dennis would discover Carl was struggling following a failed, recent failed relationship. He invited him back to his flat, his attic fat, flat. <laughs> you good? You have a stroke? <laughs> uh, assuring him there was no intention of sex. Carl drank heavily until he passed out in a sleeping bag. Now, this is like my worst nightmare because I actually hate the feeling of how like restricting sleeping bags are, oh, especially yeah. mummy type sleeping bags. Like I just, I just hate it. So this is just nightmare material for me. Um, Carl woke to find himself being strangled inside a now closed sleeping bag with Dennis whispering, stay still. Fuck. <laughs> he then vaguely recalled hearing running water before realizing he was immersed and Dennis was attempting to drown him. He begged for his life, but Dennis kept submerging him. Like, holy shit. Believing he has killed Carl, Dennis had him sitting in his armchair before realizing there was actually a thread of life left. But he actually allowed Carl to regain consciousness. Wow, why? And his strength back over the following days, embracing and explaining to him that he had um, basically brought him back to life. As he had, Carl had apparently strangled himself on the zipper of the sleeping bag following a nightmare. And then he placed him in cold water to bring him out of shock. What? That's what his story was. Did he believe that? I don't know. They did end up going their separate ways with Dennis saying he hoped that they might meet again. Like he was freaking lucky. But then Carl did like testify at his trial. So I think that he didn't believe him, but he was fucking lucky. Holy shit. Like I have no idea. There was actually a few reports that would say that Dennis would sometimes try to like bring people back and then be really upset when he couldn't. Mm -hmm. 
So I don't know what the fuck that's about. Yeah, that's weird. It's like really weird. This whole fucking case is weird as fuck. So there would be two more men not so lucky. Archibald Allen, age 27, in September of 1982. This was his 14th victim. And Stephen Sinclair, age 20, in January of 1983, his 15th victim. Dennis strangled Archibald. I want to call him like Archie. Archie. As he sat at his kitchen table eating an omelet. That's how this did this this Dang. Archibald died. Way to ruin breakfast. No Fuck. shit. And strangled Stephen, who was a heroin addict, after injecting himself and falling asleep in Dennis's armchair. But now he was living in an attic suite with no floorboards to hide bodies or no access to a garden. What was he doing with these bodies? Yeah, what was he doing with these bodies? Tell us. Well, what he was doing would inevitably get him caught. So you really want to know. As he did on Melrose Ave, Dennis was dissecting the bodies. He was placing the various dismembered parts within plastic bags and then storing them in either his wardrobe, tea chest, or within a drawer that was located underneath the tub. He would then dispose very slowly pieces of flesh, internal organs, and smaller bones of the three victims down the toilet. His toilet's going to get fucking clogged. He was placing larger bones out with his garbage. He would also go about boiling the heads of his victims so that the internal contents would evaporate, removing the need to dispose of the brains. And the flesh and blah. Like, that's disgusting. That's disgusting. It wouldn't evaporate. I don't know. He was boiling shit. Well, yeah, it would boil it. It would, like, you boil it to the point where it just become mush. Yeah. Which is disgusting and the smell would be disgusting, wouldn't it? Well, it would just be boiled meat. Ugh. It wouldn't smell pretty, that's for sure, but I mean, it's... Okay. However, with the accumulation of human remains, the drains would start to become clogged. Clogged, yep. Other, Who saw that coming? <laughs> Surprise. Other tenants were getting angry as they were dealing with backed up sinks and toilets that were unable to flush. On February 4th, 1983, Dennis and his neighbors got together to write a letter of complaint that would go to the building landlord, letting them know what was happening and that the situation at the property was intolerable. Dennis being actively involved in that process. Fuck. Like right in there, like a dirty shirt. Wow, really fucking himself over, hey? I don't know, but then if he didn't, he'd fuck himself over too. Maybe he just shouldn't have killed people. And flushed them down the toilet? Like that's actually well, dumb. I, I meant just maybe he shouldn't have just killed people, well, yes. period. But Yes, but then also, <laughs> yeah, okay, you know, just, just from the get-go, don't kill. Okay, so the letter of complaint would have the landlord send a plumber to the property. Dino Rod employee Michael Cateron responded to the plumbing complaints on February 8th. As he opened the drain cover at the side of the house, he discovered that the drain was, the drain was packed with flesh-like substance and numerous small bones. Michael reported his findings to his supervisor, who arrived at dusk to investigate the situation. Upon his arrival, they agreed they needed better light to investigate, so they would meet again in the morning. Before they left, however, Dennis and another tenant would discuss the issue with the plumbers and what the unknown substance could be. 
When hearing them say how similar the substance appeared to human flesh, Dennis piped in, it looks to me like someone has been flushing down their Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> That's so right. random, eh? Fuck. That, okay. does, that would look nothing like this. That sounds like a really awkward like social <laughs> encounter in the office hallway by the water cooler when like the one weird employee that you work with pipes in midway in conversation. Really weird things that you don't know how to respond to. <laughs> and everyone just kind of like conversation over and like, oh yeah. Goes back and, to work. And then goes back to work. That's what that just reminded me of. Oh my goodness. Okay, so the following morning at 7.30... The plumbers would arrive again, but upon their arrival this time, the drain had been cleaned. cleaned. (laughs) Who saw that coming? Obviously seeming extremely suspicious to both men, and then later them discovering more flesh and bones leading from the drain linked to the top of the house, so we didn't fully clean, they called the police. The leftover remains were sent to be examined, where police were advised that they were, in fact, human. One particular piece concluded to be a human neck or human neck bone that bore a ligature mark. Fuck. Detectives soon learned that Dennis occupied the top flat of the building where the human remains had been flushed from. Instead of ambushing him, they decided to wait for him to return home from work. When he did, they introduced themselves and explained the situation to Dennis asking or with Dennis asking why the police were so interested in his drains. Like why they requested access to his flat. And upon entering immediately noting the foul air of rotting flesh, Dennis questioning further why the police were interested in his drains to which he was informed the blockage had been caused by human remains. Initially acting utterly shocked, stating, good grief, how awful. The detectives replied with, don't mess about, where's the rest of the body? Mm -hmm. And that's it. Dennis then calmly admitted where the remaining remainder of the body could be found. Really? That easy, hey? That easy. Which was within two plastic bags within his wardrobe. They then asked if there were any other body parts to be found And Dennis responded saying, it was this long story and goes back a long time, but that he tell them everything and wants to get it off his chest. Wow. He was then arrested. And as he was taken to the police station, he was asked whether the remains in his flat belonged to one or two. As he stared out the window, he replied, 15 or 16 since 1978. Fuck. I bet Jaws dropped right there. Hey? Oh, the detective was probably just like, shit. Wow. Hey. Now, that's about all I'm going to say. Dennis was actively confessing to his crimes, so of course was sentenced to life in prison. Like I had mentioned, a lot of his victims were not able to be identified, and he did later change his story to say he made up three of the victims and actually had only murdered 12 men. But who's to know for sure? And like, who's to even know if he knows for sure? Yeah, he, he could have, have forgotten. Lost count, or he could have been drunk, or he could have he could have legitimately thought, oh, actually, no, I thought I killed that person, but I did give him CPR or something like that, and mm-hmm. they did walk away, or even blocked it out of his mind. Really, yeah, 
he probably doesn't know. Dennis was initially sentenced to life in prison with a minimum of 25 years, but that was later replaced by a whole life tariff to ensure he was never to be released from prison. Good. On May 12th, 2018, however, he would die from complications of a surgery at the age of 72. He was at one point questioned as to whether he had any remorse of his crimes, to which he replied, I wish I could stop, but I couldn't. I had no other thrill or happiness. He also emphasized that he took no pleasure from the act of killing, but worshipped the art and the act of death. That's sad. Like, I I feel bad for him. Like, I, I feel sorry for him is what it is. I don't feel bad for him. I feel sorry for him. You know? Yeah. Like, that's, that's terrible. And he's terrible. Like, that's Fuck. a pretty shitty life. Yeah, that is. So not that this is this case is not cool in any way, but there are three coolish things. Um, his autobiography did get published about a year ago, titled "The History of a Drowning Boy," and I think it'd probably actually be like a really interesting read. There's also a series made from this story titled "Des," starring David Tennant. Is that how you say his last name? Hell yeah. Um, which I've heard like nothing of good things about. Like I really want to watch that. We have oh, to watch that the- and Dexter. <laughs> We still haven't watched Dexter. It's a terrible and thing. And apparently Silence of the Lambs. <sighs> it's an amazing movie. Okay. And this is really cool. Many of the items confiscate, confiscated from Dennis's Crownley Gardens address are on display. They're on display at a New Scotland's, New Scotland's Yard's crime museum, including the stove. Dennis boiled the heads of his final three victims. Knives he had used to dissect several of his victims. And the headphones he used to strangle one of his victims among other things brutal i actually think that'd be interesting to see but then i guess they're kind of profiting from this crime in a sense well i mean it's a museum it should be non-profit yeah should that's be. true that's true it's probably going to something good hopefully but yeah that's the story that's all i got that's the story of a very very fucked up individual holy shit yeah that story is wild like no it's kidding. a wild ride, hey? No kidding. That I wanted to get off, get off of many times. Like I hated it. Researching wow. that was kind of a bitch, actually. Talking about it was <laughs> fucking horrific. Holy shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so um, there you go. That's one of the craziest ones I feel like out there. No kidding. Yeah. That that was um that was a roller coaster, especially that that one moment where um he's having a sad time being happy Mm -hmm. yeah i'll just say that (laughs) or a happy time being sad i don't know oh my goodness well anyway thank you for listening to the shit show yeah we appreciate you guys we totally appreciate you guys check out our socials it's all down in the description you can find merch link in the description of this podcast Mm -hmm. instagram facebook our website it's all down there you can check it out of course patreon as well so you can sign up you can get exclusive episodes and uh, just see some behind the scenes, some awesome stuff and input on different episodes to come. So many wicked things. Of course. So until next time, my friends. Stay wicked. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.